despoilers of their relics did likewise. Anna pulled Stinson's yellow pad toward her. Beneath Al's sketches of nooses, guillotines, and other means of mayhem, she scribbled, No help here. I'm a lowly GS-7. No teeth. Al snorted. Thirty minutes had elapsed since Anna had mentally checked out, and still the debate raged. Money had come down from Congress, scads of the stuff, allocated for the digging up and replacing of the antiquated waterline serving the homes and public buildings of Mesa Verde National Park. Since May, heavy machinery and heated arguments had roared over the ancient land. Meetings had been called and called off on a weekly basis. The resultant acrimony clogged the high desert air like dust from the ditcher. As always in small towns, toxins trickled down. When the powers that be waged war, the peasants took sides. Even the seasonals gathered in tight groups, biting assorted backs and sipping righteous indignation with beer chasers. New to the Mesa, Anne had not been drafted into either army. But the constant dissension wore at her nerves and aggravated her hermit tendencies. Around a table of metal and formica, the kind usually reserved for the serving of bad chicken at awards banquets, sat the leading players. A lean and hungry-looking administrative officer with a head for figures and an eye for progress. The chief ranger, a wary whip of a man, determined to drag the park out of the dark ages of plumbing and into the more impressive visitation statistics additional water would allow. Ted Greeley, the contractor hired to pull off this feat in a timely manner, and Al Stinson, historian, archaeologist, and defender of the dead. Or at least the sanctity of science's claim on the dead. When the Anasazi had vanished from the Mesa, their twelfth-century secrets had vanished with them. Stinson was determined to stop twentieth-century machinery from destroying any clue before it was studied. Since the entire landscape of Chapin Mesa was a treasure trove of artifacts, the digging of so much as a post hole gave the archaeologist nightmares. The contractor had been brought on board to trench seventeen miles of land six feet deep. Theodore Roosevelt Greeley of Greeley Construction had a job to do and was being paid handsomely to do it. Though Greeley had a veneer of bonhomie, he struck Anna as a hardcore capitalist. She suspected that, to his modern manifest destiny mentality, the only good Indian was a profitable Indian. Fingers ever tensed on the purse strings, the chief ranger and the administrative officer leaned toward Greeley's camp. Anna and Hills Dutton, the district ranger, were the only non-combatants present. Dutton's impressive form was slouched in a folding chair near the end of the table. He'd removed the ammunition from the magazine of his Sig Sauer 9mm and appeared to be inventorying it bullet by bullet. Anna. As was his wont, the chief ranger was mumbling, and it took her a second to recognize her name. What? Any input? 
The chief was just shifting the heat from himself. None of this august body gave two hoots about what she thought. She and Hills were there only because the secretary refused to go for coffee. Well, if all non-essential personnel were required to live out of the park, the problem would be alleviated considerably. Non-essential included not only seasonal interpreters, but also archaeologists, department heads, the administrative officer, the chief ranger, and the superintendent himself. Anna's suggestion was met with annoyed silence. Satisfied she'd offended everyone at the table, and it would be a good long time before they again bothered her for her input, Anna retreated back into her own world. When visitors left for the day and evening light replaced noon's scientific glare, she escaped the hubbub.